Hello and welcome back to my tete-a-tete podcast, The Panty Personals, which, to be honest, is really just an excuse for me to get dressed up, do the hair and get out and meet someone other than my long-suffering husband, Penny the Dog, or the lockdown kitten Crayon. Well, he's really a full-blown cat by now. And keeping me company today is a man that I actually can't believe I haven't met before. It's filmmaker, musician and general renaissance man, Miles O'Reilly. Miles is known for his gorgeous music docu-videos, I might call them, with artists like Villagers, Imelda May, Lisa Neal, Vagabonds, and of course the lovely Lisa Hannigan, and that's her track that you can hear in the background now, and Miles, you actually made the video for that track, so that's a bit of serendipity there. Um, Miles is also one half of the music show This Ain't No Disco with Donald Deneen, and he has curated a stage at Body and Soul Festival for the previous seven years until Miss Corona put a hiatus on that. Um, and if that weren't enough, Miles is very much a music maker himself. He started out as the band Juno Falls, which was effectively just him, <laughs> and whichever mates were available at the time. That was as a young fella, but these days he's making dreamy ambient music albums under the moniker Indistinct Chatter, but more of that later. Miles, I'm going to make it easier for on you by um, asking you questions about somebody else first because I've absolutely fallen in love with your neighbours. Um, because you made a video recently for Crowded House and it's a great track uh, called To The Island. And you can watch it on YouTube. Um, but in the video, and the video is in your style, it's a music video, but there's a bit of documentary in there too. And it's, they're neighbours of yours, is it? Yeah, Elsie and Eddie, and they're amazing. Every morning when we wake up, there's a kiss and then a prayer. And then during the day, Eddie would always bring me home, or if we were together, pick a rose off a tree to give it to me. Yep, they're right next door. They've, uh, we've been there for 12, 13 years, and we, uh, yeah, we got to know them straight away. Yeah. But they're incredibly inspiring, both 80 plus. They're both in their 80s. Tell me each other how much we love them. She's my queen. Well, of course, I just fell immediately in love with Elsie because she's a glamour puss. Um, (laughs) The makeup, the hair, the outfits and everything. And then he's so dapper. Dapper, And then the the sort of documentary element of the video really tells the story of their relationship and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And they're dancing in the video at one point. You know, it's beautiful on so many things, but they speak about, you know, love being a commitment rather than a feeling and as a married woman i'm learning that but also there's some odd and beautiful things like all the stuff they have on their wall like from newspapers and well they're quite religious but they still got a they still have a newspaper cutting of a picture of a black hole the first picture of a black hole well and that's another thing i love about them at one point they casually say oh we don't do television yeah <laughs> i'm like i wish i had the confidence to just never look at television <laughs> and there's something gorgeous about it to bring it back to yourself and I get the impression that you're less comfortable talking about yourself than you are talking about other things <laughs> I've spent a long time uh, behind the camera looking at other personalities because I find it very hard um, 
to be a personality myself. <laughs> I'm not really able to vocalise who I am. I know who I am. I'm a very confident mm. person, I think. I'm just a little bit of a recluse who's very good at being social. But that's interesting, though, because, you, you know, you went into music first. Mm. I mean, you're, you're, you know, film and video, in a way, took over for a long time. But and now you're you're back making a lot of music now. Yeah, it's it was a tricky thing to be when I would have called myself a professional musician. Mm. And I've worked with so many since I stopped being a professional musician <laughs> that I see that they're all undergoing the same very tricky process of kind of balancing the being on with the being at home, you know. Mm. And the more I was on, the more I wanted to be at home. So... You know, back in the day when I was a younger man, I should have been really going for it. But instead, I just wanted to hibernate the whole time because it was so much effort to be out doing the music mm. thing and entertaining publicly. So that's what that's why I stopped, essentially. I, I couldn't do that part. Hmm. Well, you know, the subject of alter egos comes up, you know, with me quite a lot, as you might imagine. Mm. See, I think that's always the answer. Mm. You create a public... Persona you're so right, you're for so performing right. and all of that, and yeah. you get to be your your mm. other self, your own self, all yeah. the rest of the time. Oh my God, you could explain that to my wife, um, because she's like, "Why did you put out that Instagram video of you talking and showing our house?" And like, I don't like it. And I'm like, "Well, this, I'm trying to be a persona now. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to, I think I know what to do now is to separate the two." And she's like, "But who is this other?" Miles, this is not my husband, you know. <laughs> that is so funny because my husband is like pathologically private. Yeah. Like he never wants his picture anywhere. He never wants anything. He doesn't have any social media except for WhatsApp. And even that, the WhatsApp picture is almost never of himself. <laughs> just, and just the generic. It'll be like, the cat yeah. or it'll just be black oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like he's pathologically yeah. private yeah, so yeah. um same as my wife yeah. yes that's what it sounds like <laughs> you know and he'll he'll give out to me why did you put on twitter that that you know that you made a chicken you know like and i'm like that's not you know top secret government information you know whereas to me i, I don't uh, think anything of it no you're serving chicken but I for choose people what to reveal yeah exactly carefully yeah yeah it's and instinctually, I, th I guess if you're a performer, you need to have that confidence in the mm. alter ego. Well, and also, you know, especially if you're a musician or something and in the kind of stuff that I do on stage, too, I'm just telling stories about my own life or my experience because I feel like I'm not an expert in anything else. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you exactly what I felt about something. So it is necessarily part of the product is to reveal parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. You just have to choose which part yeah and exactly in, so have you always been shy the words you would describe yeah very shy i guess i don't think i i actually had any social interaction up until i was five none uh, first ones. no none at all no you yeah. like no siblings or neighbors no or? nothing just me and my just myself and my mother yeah it's very I, in many ways it was a good thing yeah, I see how it works for me. I know that five-year-old Miles is still here, yeah. and five-year-old Miles appreciates those five years. You know, um, that's that, sweet. Well, that's great. Now, because your father had died when you were my mother had drastically left my father, and so I was denied even seeing him in those five years, oh. in my first five years of my life. 
and that continued. I never really got to know my father. There's another kind of worms there. But you know, I'm very appreciative of the world she made for me in those five years. I have a memory of the smells, of the feeling of comfort, mm. of the feeling of love. And she was a highly creative woman. And I would have, I, I'm sure as a baby, I would have sat on her lap and watched her make a dress or watched her paint or, mm. you know. And so was your father has passed since? He has he? passed. Yes, and you he, never really he, got to know him? I never really got to know him, no. We would have spent some weekends together. And what, uh, how old were you when he passed away? Uh, I was 27 when he passed away. But I was still in his eyes a child, so he would have still not had, I wouldn't have had the adult conversations that I wished I could have had, yeah. you know, because he still treated me like a teenager, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I have adult conversations with my, with my father, but, but, but to me, he's still my dad and yeah. to him, that, I'm still. It's funny, right? Yeah. And that's necessary to be, it's like, yeah. why go deeper than that? But obviously... Now I think about those things. You're right. It's yeah. like, now I wish I could just, if something went terribly wrong, I used to run to my mother and I wish I could have in some instances ran to him, but I just didn't have that opportunity. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about your mother a little later on because she's been very important in the last uh, while. Mm. Um, but it's funny, you know, I think all kids nearly run to their mothers or certainly in the traditional family that most of us grew up in. Mm. Um, so th there were certain things that I went to my dad about, but they were very defined yeah. what those w were. I guess. Um, so were where they? were you growing up, by the way? What were they? What was one of the well, things? Well, you know, m money. Okay. Money things. Like, for example, my dad, you know, always been very supportive and all of that, you know, but he had no frame of reference for my life or what I did for a living. Like yeah. drag and nightclubs and all that. Hadn't a clue. And mm. so I think, you know, he, he showed little or no interest, not because I'm bringing you back, just because it was out of his ken. Yeah. And so my dad was delighted when I opened a bar, even though my dad's a total, he's not a drinker at all. He, he's never hardly ever crossed the door of a pub in his life, but he understands what a pub is. Brilliant. And he understands what a business Brilliant. is and all that. So oh, that must have been great for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, and to be mm. able to sort of, you know, you know, here's four walls and a, and a business yeah, yeah. and him understand what that was. Great. Yeah, that is lovely. Um, so where were you growing up? Uh, we, um, we escaped to f four or five different homes until my mother finally settled with a man that she liked. And um, that was in Blessington, more or less, yeah, for all my childhood. I did notice the way you phrased that, so uh, the man that she liked. And uh, Blessington. <laughs> well, that's a nice part of the yeah, world. It is. It's very countryside. And my sister came along then. So mm. Anya. And uh, we grew up in the countryside. And Anya has since now, she presents the show Eco Eye on RTE. She's, a, oh. she's like a super environment uh, warrior. And she hates me saying that. But we have a deep connection with nature yeah. you know, up until our uh, mid-teens okay. came to Dublin. And so when did the music thing come along? Uh, basically, when I knew I had a lot more knowledge, I, I was very experienced uh, when I was 15, 16, 17. I had a lot of knowledge about music. There was a confidence that came with that. Mm. And uh, I was terrible in school. So I was like, well, look, I'm really knowledgeable about this thing. I'm just going to do that. That's all I want mm. to do. And I didn't do my leaving cert or 
And my mother was absolutely fine with that too. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, that, um, it was just that I listened to a lot of stuff. And I wasn't as fortunate as most musicians that became professional because they had other friends that they had a community of musicians mm. growing up or in school. They might have had the one friend who was also learning guitar and they yeah. could bounce off each other. And I never had that. And I still find it strange that I did end up playing professionally without a community of musicians around. Yeah. You know? But so how did the Juno Fall thing come along? Because... If you look on Wikipedia or something, it, it, you know, it, it writes of Juno Falls as a band, but essentially it was you and whichever of your mates happened around. to be around when you needed. It was, yeah, I, actually I had a best friend who learned how to play bass guitar just so that I could have him on tour with me or you know, it was just whatever, you know, and he, he rudimentary skills, but it, it, it worked, you know, and I could have my best friend on tour with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so... What years are we talking here? I think it all came to an end in uh, 2010, but for 10 years I'd been climbing that ladder, so to speak. And I think towards the end of it, having the Late Late Show, there was like a Late Late Show performance in a Podge and Raj, and we got a lot of, we did quite well in, in terms of, oh, The Voices was another one. And you had a record deal and all of that. Record deal and all that. It was full-on music business full stuff. On, I got to meet my like heroes, and then I just decided... Heroes like who? Uh, well, Elbow, you know the bad, yeah, bad yeah, Elbow? Yeah. I was living in Dingle at the time and I got to meet quite a lot of heroes when other voices blazed oh, yeah, of in. Course, yeah. But then especially when I was asked to play other voices, then I you know, I knew I could set up the session where I in the hotel room and invite everybody up and but I got to meet Elbow at one of those sessions where um, we had good chats and it, they were on the label I had just signed to. They were also privy to the knowledge that the label was going down. I was introduced to the rest of the band um, as as Miles has just joined our label and they all kind of <laughs> let, let a little shrug and I understand now why, you know, yeah. and they were like, well, we've just gone to Universal and who's your manager? And they were very caring, but yeah. they never actually came out with it that your label uh, is going down, you know, <laughs> so two months later it did. But I did. I got to hang out with Elbow. They were, they were my heroes at the time. Mm. And um, Paul Weller. Paul Weller, of course, who myself and Declan O'Rourke were on, on that, and Duke Special oh. were on V2 Records. And yeah, I think label buddies came up a lot. The term, mm. like in a label, they do like their artists hanging out. So yeah. if you've got a label buddy, it's a good thing because you're recording each other and acknowledging each other. And you're always you're going under the same management and it's easy for them to nurture and develop collaboration mm. and things. So I'm glad to see that Declan O'Rourke has, you know, it's been 10 years since then, but Declan O'Rourke and Paul Weller have just put out an album. But to have that kind of close-knit friendship is mm. quite beautiful. And I still have a lot of those from that era of yeah. people who haven't gone away. Is it true that you are, when getting into all that, you're a bit naive about the music industry and like, it, like most yeah. young musicians like are. Like most young musicians. Yeah. And I see a lot of, it's a treacherous territory for a lot of musicians who haven't played a lot or haven't gigged a lot and don't understand the business side of it. If you go in with a big heart and going, I just want to make music and mm. I don't care to who, you're most vulnerable then because mm. you're, you know, you look up to the label people, you think they're great. It's quite cutthroat at the end of the day. Yeah. Also, what can happen with once you get your record deal, you can trust what they say about you. And you can be put with producers who are brilliant and have recorded your your heroes, but and they give you advice. And 
little bits of little words can be the wrong words mm -hmm. to just push you off course that's not yourself. Yeah. And that happens, I think, 99% of the time. If you're not listening to your heart when you're in a label contract, if, you're not, if you don't actually know why you're singing those words or what makes you cry, if you've been doing too much thinking about getting a record deal and suddenly you have a record deal and you've lost that touch contact with yourself, you're essentially doomed. Mm. Mm. You're probably not following Jedward on Twitter, but <laughs> they are, you know, echoing all of this at the moment. Oh, They're taking the music industry down from yes. the inside. Yes. It's, it's very fun to watch. I actually love the lads. Oh, my God, they're doing well, aren't they, on Twitter? I, yes. I love that people get them. Yeah, no, people know? really get them yeah. now. And they are, you know, really taking down it's Simon Cowell and the machine from the and, inside. It's and a part of their growth, isn't it? It's a part of yeah. them also moving on and just... I love yeah. that they can keep evolving past that because they're so strong, they're so <laughs> present, but they can grow as a, yeah. and keep being a strong tree. They used to be Ireland's little secret and now yeah. everybody's on board. <laughs> um, so tell me, you know, I mean, you had a fairly successful 10 years there um, in the belly of the music industry beast and all of that. But then, so how did you transition then into the music video stuff? For, you know, which you've been very successful at. I mean, mm. the list of people you've made videos for is pretty incredible. Thank you. I was sitting down one day watching a film, actually, and uh, I love space and I love um, I love science. And all these. Uh, I grew up with those kind of books. And there was a film called In the Wild Blue Yonder, oh, yeah. um, which is an, a Werner Herzog film. Well, great, you know it. Yeah. And the soundtrack was done by Ernst Reisiger. It was composed and scored by Ernst Reisiger, but it had some beautiful Sardinian folk singers on it. It had lots of like avant-garde cello and lots of like typical soundtrack moments. But I realized that I was crying watching the film because of the music and the power that the music had mm. when it had adopted the visual or almost the visual had adopted the music. honestly think that Werner Herzog edited that film to the music so he was really jamming with music so I had to go like this is incredible he's a Hollywood director well he, he wasn't for a long time I had edited to music this one hour story about space and existential story about humanity and I had to go through all his films and I realized that in all his Werner Herzog's films he's collaborating with music and I'd always had a tendency to film things or I was I loved photography but it was just never enough and digital cameras were just coming around then and I was doing bits and pieces of stuff and well like we all are now on our phones you know on Instagram yeah. but I was doing that 10 years ago and when the music when I realized that I if I just do it to music uh, it felt so much more powerful and then I realized maybe that's why I've been loving music so much and I think when the two collided, I knew I had, I had to do that. Mm. Also, I was very insecure about my own, why I was actually playing music. Like, what am I doing this for? Where is this going? And there was no real validation or feedback or anything as much as I had when I did my first video. And I got 
you know, we all want a bit of love, you know, yeah. from the internet. But when, when I put up my first video, and it was actually with Ron on a Snuddy, the love and the validation, the feeling what I got from that. What was the first that, video? Um, it was a, a song of Ronan's that I loved. I did a video with him down in Dingle. Um, I met Ronan down there uh, 10 years ago. Ronan Osnuddy. Uh, Ronan Osnuddy. Yes, um, we're going to be hearing from. Yeah, and it, it was just for fun. But the feeling that I got putting it out into the public just was way better than the feeling of being mm. a musician and playing. There was also another satisfaction that came with making videos is that I never had to repeat myself. I never had to play the same song. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I never had to be, like you said, on. I never had to be on, mm. you know? And suddenly I could fall back into the kind of like the five-year-old me who never had to say anything or interact with anybody or I could just watch and observe and disappear. And people would, Lisa Hannigan would say like, how did you film that? Where we didn't think you were in the room, you know, because I I could just become like two inches tall and witness everything. And I, I thought to myself, like, if I can keep doing this, I will. Well, that's a magic trick because you're not a small man. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm yeah. six foot five. <laughs> I'm not. So it's funny. It's like the amount of times I've been told by clients where I'm in studio environments like this, and they're like. Uh, where were you? Oh, I've been here the whole time, you know, filming their little golden moments where they're being themselves. And sometimes that could be tricky, too. They're like, mm. like, how long were you here? <laughs> did you did you film everything? No, because no. you like the sort of words hurts on fly in the wall. Fly in the wall yeah. thing. So th like it came at the same time. It was like realizing what cinema verite was and the, the whole German movement, French movement and realizing what that was. It was like, oh, that's five year old miles, you know. Just but it's funny observes. because to hear you talk now, you're describing a person who wants to be alone and yeah. you know, to, to be, in a way, uh, you know, just a lone figure creating or doing. But in actual fact, you're, a, you're actually a collaborator. You know, you're constantly collaborating with different people. Yeah. So there's, there's some sort of tension there or something, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. There is, you know. I'm glad you have found that, you know. Because I, I haven't even done enough thinking about that. <laughs> uh, really now coming back into music and coming into performing again, I realized that, uh, okay, if I'm able to do this, then I do have the skill for collaboration and listening and teamwork and all that. And, you know, all I've been is a lone wolf for 10 years, but I have a, whatever. Even yeah. a lone wolf runs in a pack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Well, you know, part of me wants to hate you because... Um, I can see that during the pandemic and the lockdown, you've been very <laughs> productive and creative. And I started out the lockdowns being all doer and I, I've totally lost that energy. Um, yeah. And I think I'm just in survival m mode or whatever. Yeah. But I have sort of felt at times, God, I wish I was one of those kind of more lone type persons. And then maybe I'd be getting more done. Yeah. Um, I think I need interactions and be bouncing off people. And I... I need to bump into some funny guy on the street to be yeah. inspired by something. Yeah. And you're not, has not lockdown alone. suited you? No, you're not alone there, obviously. Like, everyone I've met has, um, has suffered. It's funny. It's like, it's the stress of it. I knew immediately what was coming. Like, in the first two weeks, one of the most painful for me, I knew immediately what was coming. In terms of survival, mm. I had to uh, keep busy and, and do whatever I can to be, um, to just keep being, 
keep coming back to it, but five-year-old minds keep like painting and drawing. Everyone do, went lent on that immediately, and 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 it, it petered away just to like staring at the wall and yeah. like if you've got, if you're lucky enough to have a field, just you're looking at it for like way longer than you ever would, and yeah. look at the sky. And but I I knew like that wasn't going to work, so I I concocted a lot of plans just to. Uh, to stay creative in in my house, mm. um, and I like I like an audience too. Funnily enough, you know, and I had it there on the internet. So yeah, um, it well, was, I mean, you know, in a way, you know, art needs an audience. Yeah, yeah. Because really, if there's nobody looking at it, it's just color on a canvas. Yeah, um, it makes it me feel to look at it to turn it into a painting. Exactly. Like, and, and the reason why I'm sure doing these podcasts for you is just so healthy is that we we are giving to an audience. And I, I guess the feelings I get back knowing that there's other lives appreciating the the song I've presented to them, you know, and how that's affected them, and hearing back messages like that. You've also taken to a model, which I, you know, I know quite a few people who have, but I find a little terrifying, and that's the Patreon thing. So basically, people subscribe to your art in advance, and they pay a few euros a month or whatever, and then yeah. you can, whoever you're paying to, provides you with podcasts or music or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so you're using that model for making the videos and that. But to me, the, I'm, I'm sort of terrified of it, because then you have... You're you're basically signing a contract saying I will produce, yeah, and yeah. you will get this every week or whatever it's it funny. is. Yeah, it's true. It's true. A lot of people have the same concerns about it, mm. especially with the poet. I'm great friends with the poet Stephen James Smith, who is like built for it, but won't go near it. <laughs> no way. I've had a unique experience where. Up until the pandemic, I was presenting artists to people and my paragraph on the front of the Patreon would be, I shall find you a new artist every week. I'll have a little backpack and a camera and I'll travel the country and I'll find you somebody to listen to and who you love. And, you know, it's changed drastically since and I've had to edit that paragraph in the <laughs> pandemic. Now it's like, I will just make you a film of any description yeah. <laughs> that, that is loosely around music you're going to like. Well, two things about it is, one is, it shows you that you have over the years um, of you know hard work and life really developed an audience because mm. not a lot of people um, yeah. would have a successful Patreon based on that contract. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I, it's true. There's a lot of people who really, really, really love music, and I actually started a documentary that I'm maybe finishing ten years from now, where I, I'm for the last eight years, six years, I've been interviewing music lovers. And I don't find them that often, you know, but like people who live and breathe music, who go to every concert and some might be regarded as sycophants or something because they're always in the front row of the audience, you know, yeah. but I'm essentially one of them, you know, mm. yeah, that'll be an interesting one when it's finished. <laughs> now, your work really does straddle a kind of your video work, this thing between documentary and music video almost. And it's it's very interesting and it's kind of mm. uh, your own space in a way there's not many people working in that mm. sort of crossover really yeah and of course now i have a vested interest in bringing up the next one which is the video essential services which is of course you know, the music that is your own music because after leaving the the, the, the band yeah. in, the, in the past and then going into the videos and all that and then you started making your own music but it's it's ambient yeah. um 
So the moniker you use for your ambient music is genius, um, indistinct chatter, which when I read it first, I had that thing where I, I know that, but I couldn't quite place it. And it wasn't until John was the one who was like, oh, that's from you know the subtitles in the video when they're in a bar or something. Um, um, but I read that you collected that name ages ago. Yes, I had it for ages, yeah. Because I realized I did listen to a lot of indistinct chatter. Actually, there were, I think it's a, there's a whole ethos. It's almost religious. It's like you don't listen to uh, ambient music. Uh, you hear it, you know. And so there's, we constantly hear ambient music. It's all around us all the time. And, and yeah, that's what the movie industry calls it. Is, you know? <laughs> well, ambient sounds of anywhere where there's people is indistinct chatter. But it's so genius. Yeah. And, but I was struck by the fact that you said that you had collected it and sort of stuck in your back pocket so to speak for years yeah. and that you'd even offered it to other people along yeah. the way you know who were looking for names for a band you know, and well, none of those this. idiots took it thank god um, and also because I'm a drag queen and drag queens uh, all collect drag queen names oh brilliant okay. so like you know there's we have Facebook groups and WhatsApp and we're always like sending each other you know, and the, and there's always a couple you, that you keep, and you think That's I cool. need a young drag queen who's looking That's for a good cool. name. You know, yeah, it's um, cool. so there's a you know, it's like you a always have portrait, one. You know, it's like, it is, and it's so satisfying when you find one that works on different levels, yeah. and the pun <laughs> is great, and that like it's it's very satisfying. Uh, but but so under that moniker, interesting chatter. One mm. of the uh, tracks you made a video for and had out during the pandemic is um and also available to uh, for everyone to look at on YouTube. It's called Essential Services. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm biased towards it, of course, because um, my own uh, lovely panty bar is in it. So tell us about the video. It was my first Patreon video where I had to just say, look, this is my music, <laughs> you know. It was the most lockdown of lockdowns, which was January. It was yeah. dark and it was raining most of the time. And so I couldn't call around even to somebody's garden and film them there, which is I've been doing for, for ages. So, yeah, it was just my music, you know. And I so I was creating an album of ambient songs, uh, very reflective of my childhood, re reflecting on my childhood. And I was listening to the mixes walking around and um, it just suited me at the time to film a lot of footage of architecture and then I realised that there was this thing where I'd seen online a lot of people, Dublin was very quiet, way more quiet than it is now, even though it was lockdown five then, I mean it was lockdown five yeah. then, like in visually it was like there was no cars anywhere apart from taxis and delivery guys, but I realised that there was a lot of content online that didn't show Dublin was locked down. I mean, there was really great photographers that I love were trying to film, were trying to take pictures of lockdown Dublin, and they just they couldn't do it. So I wonder what it was about about two dimensions that could get across that this is a city upset. It was just in walking around, really buzzing around, listening to my music and having to walk anyway because I, I'd go mental otherwise. Looking at streets, listening to my music, that I realised, well, it's the open shops. It's, it's the ones that are open that seem the saddest, because they highlight the fact that it's like this is in between the hours of nine and five, you know. But the streets empty. So when I had a shot of an empty street, but if there was like a essential service, like a, a hardware shop that was open, you'd realise, whoa, well, this isn't six in the morning, and yeah. the, immediately uh, when that clicked. 
I was like, oh, I have to make a, I have to make a video for this. It's now. really beautiful. It's sort of um, mesmerizing. It's all you know, slow pans and yeah, it has to be floaty. Yeah, I, I didn't want an ego in it either because I just wanted us to feel floaty. And I, I never usually like those camera tactics because I think they're not real. I like a heartbeat and a movement. It's a personality and a, a tempo and a kind of in a session or if a, in a running scene. If it's not perfect, if it's jaggedy running scene, you get you get that, you know. But uh, yeah, this time it had to be a dream. It's really gorgeous. Thank um, you. Everybody should go and check out Essential Services. You'll find it on YouTube. Um, and then I, I want to talk to you a bit about, you know, you're in the Liberties. Um, you're there with your missus. She's, where, where's your missus from? Cork. Edine's from Cork. She's, um, yeah. And is she an artist of? Uh, she essentially, yeah, her whole family are artists, but none of them know it. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then I've, of course, fallen in love with your cats um, from oh, the videos. Seamus and Noah, yeah. Oh, so which one is the youngest one? Uh, Noah. Well, because Noah is the absolute spitting image of oh. our cat. Yeah. Oh. Um, I have a 13-year-old, Jack Russell, who doesn't really do much these days. You know, he's gotten very old. But we got a, a cat in the first lockdown. Oh, brilliant. The and I've cat. so enjoyed having yeah. the cat. He's so much fun. Their little personalities are oh great, my aren't God, they? Yeah. And when they choose you, when they choose to like, okay, yeah. now let's, let's pet, let's, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's almost heartbreaking when you want to, you know, have and the little cuddle yeah. and it's, it's not his time. And you know, it's like, it's almost heartbreaking. But when he decides to bestow yeah. that cuddle, oh my God. It's, it's, it's so much more human. I, th I think cats are a little bit more human than dogs. You know, he takes a Regal, you know, like a particular kind of human. They're, you know, they are kind. human, but right. they're uh, they're yeah, blue bloods. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. I think, yeah, it's a bit more regal. So you're living in the liberties with the lovely wife and the lovely cats, and like a lot of creative people at the moment, you've had to get creative about being creative. And so one of the things I'm really enjoying is you've been making music videos in the house. I find that very charming. You get a sort of sense of you in a way and one of the videos that you've made recently in the house and the liberties is with the illustrious ronan osnodig and um, for the song tontolium lucky is me and uh, we're very lucky because the illustrious ronan is joining us for this um hi ronan how's it going i'm good we ready to go we yes cool to take go. it away <laughs> Thank you. 
It's so gorgeous. Um, it makes me happy in a mm. melancholic way, if you get what I'm feeling. Um, and Ronan, yeah, it does. But you know what I mean? I think it might be a very Irish feeling. <laughs> you know, melancholically sad. Enjoy. Melancholically happy, I mean. Ronan, what's the song about? Because in the video, you, uh, I have to say, you, you, you spoke so beautifully about it at the end that I actually wrote down what you said. Um, and I don't do that often. So what is the song? Um, I, I suppose I feel like I got away with a lot of things. Mm. Maybe like maybe I was due to fall at a lot of hurdles mm. and somehow I didn't fall at them. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I just mean in, in my life or the way I lived my life. And um, I don't know if I was that responsible that I was aware of how mm. off the edge I had gotten. And something brought me back over the edge a, a few times. And if I look mm. back, there's got to be someone else at the <laughs> steering wheel sometimes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very uh, grateful and maybe a bit belittled by how well I'm doing considering Mm. how I was yeah it's it's a beautiful sentiment because I'm not a religious person at all but I can totally connect with that sentiment that maybe you fell into grace or that you know there was somebody or something yeah else looking after you when you weren't even aware of it and uh, and the song is recognizing that Mm. I like it and well and also listen if you haven't lived a life where at times there was hurdles you nearly came a cropper on, really, was it a life worth living? That's, that's part of my idea. Ron, thank you so much for coming in thank and doing you. that. It was really thank beautiful. You, and Miles, as always, that term and accompaniment there. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um, Miles, as Indistinct Chatter, you have an album um, yes. out now. And it's, it's really all about your mother. Yes, this one. So do you mm. want to talk to me about um, that? It was just about feelings I had when I was a kid. It's the only thing in January I could rely on is like um, closing my eyes and memorizing moments in my childhood. And Because your mother passed away uh, seven years ago. Seven years ago. But I'm still traumatized. There's yeah, no doubt course, about yeah. it. Like it's, it feels like yesterday. But um, being able to close one really bizarre thing, and I'm sure other people who have seen worlds disappear can do this it's, you can you love those if you love those worlds you can close your eyes and literally be there again mm. you know I, I can close my eyes and be in my in my mother's house and I can like it's like VR it's like a virtual reality experience and I can do it on on call you know I can be I can be there and so I thought like I'm gonna close my eyes a lot in January and see and while I'm doing that play some stuff just mess around with sounds and see which sounds resonate So that's what this album is. It's there was a lot of stuff going on in the house. Uh, there's raindrops on our conservatory roof that for, last for ten minutes in this album. You know, there's kind of there's lakeshore sounds that last through songs, and um, not just that, but then the notes are really specific moods. And so I do choose like a combination of notes that's like a dinner you would have if you were at home, you know, with your mother's cooking yeah. notes, you know, so <laughs> they go throughout it. And I just love those. I just love that I could do that and I had the time. Like I never would have had the time to do that otherwise. And it was very painful. I, there was a lot of like, crying there was a lot of like um getting too close to the memory and uh, bursting out into tears and then feeling magnificent afterwards and coming back to the song and and, and something like the positive the positivity of the memory was all that exists after the breakdown so the, so that music then just lifted the song to another level where it's a beautiful sad thing Just like we're saying about Ronan's song, 
it's a beautiful sad thing if with all trauma i think once you break down the the sadness and the grief and the, once you break those things down and digest them and let them go what's left is very beautiful and beautiful memory i mean that's in a, in a way that is what grief is yeah because yeah. in order to remember them you have yeah. to remember them and yeah. remembering them is what makes you feel the loss and the pain and the sadness yeah. but remembering is also what you want to, to yeah. do so you have to have the tears to get the the joy of it yeah. like i wish i had gone to counseling earlier actually you know like after my mother died straight after and i advise anybody to do that because i had to figure it out and it took a bit longer but yeah it's yeah. exactly that's what grief is to do that as in a in a creative way and to write your grief down it could be you could write down basically you know i'm so fucking sad of this this that and that's happening and what do i do about this you go right that's therapeutic just writing yeah. the words down and maybe burning it ritualistically with a, with a whiskey or playing music is the exact same thing except you're not using words you're just it's, the notes are writing it down and when you listen back to it you're, you're listening back to yourself you're listening back to an emotion specifically not words that are you right and then just to be able to listen to my songs where i was grieving and and for them for me to get bored with them even i'm like right i'm actually past that now you know yeah this is, this doesn't hurt me this song doesn't hurt me anymore in the happy sad way yeah <laughs> i'm numb to that now because maybe i've grown up i've put i've put my words down and i've burnt the paper the album is called my mother's star and it is mm. essentially a pee on to your to your mother it is i don't want people to feel like though that it's personal and a lot of feedback i've been getting is that it's you know it's playing to the stars i'm not playing to my mother specifically i'm playing yeah. to the stars well i mean grief and mo your mothers and all that is a are universal. universal i mean thing. all art is personal and the personal is always universal Is my well, motto about it. Wow! I mean, there isn't, you know, the only things that are universal in life are, the th are, are you know, the personal things. L love, loss, grief, pain, uh, happiness. I mean, they're... Aren't they? Yet you feel very alone with them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's part that's of the it. human, that's isn't it? it? Yeah. Even surrounded by, you know, eight billion other people, sometimes you feel alone. Yeah. Or you feel like you're the first person to have those this experience yeah. um and you have to figure it out yourself and it's just yeah. you're on your own path there like you yeah. know with some stuff and so well was the album like healing like do you um i think did it, you feel better after the process yeah i think it did i felt i felt better actually you know i i, I kind of like spat it out it was really quick to make one month of just me just like whooshing like just spilling everything out as have been the other albums in lockdown just spilling and not caring and and effortless, like I have to say, effortless because I didn't think twice mm -hmm. about the music. And um, and listening back was the most therapeutic because I listen back and I have to revisit the emotion I was pouring. And I'm glad that some of the I'm bored of some of the songs now. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you're glad you're bored. Of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're an ideas man, aren't you? I mean, I feel just even sitting here that those their ideas are bubbling out of you. Is part of the process deciding which ideas to work with or like, you know, some people are sitting there looking for an idea. I feel like you always have 10 ideas yeah. and there's no shortage of ideas. But sometimes mm. the hard part is Starting. deciding which, you know, yeah. ideas. Yeah. And it can be the hardest part, I think. 
Well, I, I grew up with a quite, I, I chose creative friends, as, you know, um, who also have ideas. And what I noticed, the difference between me and them, and they're still my best friends, is that if I have an idea, I go and do it the next day, and I finish it, and I know what the feeling is of finishing an idea. And that really helps me, for some reason, going out and making things and, and, and setting them free. And I love that. But my friends never move past the idea, you know. Gosh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, they I, have I, I'm, of I'm in the procrastinator too. group, you yeah, know. Yeah. I wish I had more yeah. of that. Well, I'm, I guess I'm lucky, I'm an, and I need to acknowledge that I'm grateful for that. Mm. Uh, sometimes I forget that, that maybe this is my little superpower, that I can come up with an idea and complete it. And that the reason why I choose it is because I know I can finish it. And maybe it's a little superpower. What I try and focus on is not to be, is, is universal, like you said. Always try and have an idea that everybody feels they can adopt as fully as I have mm. and feel the same lump in the throat mm. as I do when I, I pick an idea because I want it to make me cry. And if it doesn't, it gets left in the shelf. <laughs> not for too long because I figure out how it's going to make me cry yeah, yeah. you know and then I and the best compliment in the world is that made me cry you know I, I, I totally agree with that Sam. like I, I used to be one of those people you know whatever I would be embarrassed to cry at a movie or something you know when I was a teenager yeah. or whatever. and nowadays if I'm not crying you know I want to be crying yeah. that, that means it's affecting me or it's brought up something yeah or whatever maybe it's a, a growing into life and growing into maturity we actually value feeling things don't we yes and, and, and knowing what you want to feel and yeah. knowing knowing what your superpower is yeah I mean sometimes I look at these you know people who become very successful at, at 20 in a band or whatever and I think how hard that must be because I don't think anybody knows at 20 exactly what their superpower is you know, they've stumbled in a way onto something, but then you have to do it again. And how many people at 20 know, you know, yeah. how to turn on turn the on. thing that's special about them? Yeah. Again, you know. It doesn't happen, really. People get lost in the course of their lives and lives become regimental. And yeah, and they never, I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing that you find later in life, maybe that you you can point yeah. out you know <laughs> to no, I mean, yourself I feel very much more of myself now than I did when I was 20 yeah. and you actually described your sort of creative process as beautifully as being sort of like a tree mm. um, I love the the tree analogy but it, uh, the growth and the nurture when you say when A&R in record labels when record labels were real the A&R philosophy was nurture the growth of the mm. artist and actually, maybe when I think about your analogy of the tree, what I was sort of getting at about not knowing your supervisor in the 20 is to do with that rooted thing that you get when you're older. You know, you know exactly who you are and where you are. You're rooted on, you know, on your own ground, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think that comes with age. I mean, I don't it comes with age. It comes with, it's like a, a big, big, strong, proud oak tree, you know. <laughs> the more you grow, the more roots you have and... The more connectivity and the more influence you have on your environment, even though you mightn't be aware that you're the giant of the field, you're you're supplying this, you're supplying this a thousand species of insects living on your skin, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're supplying their world, and, and you might not ever feel that you're a big, strong, proud tree, but you know you are. The more the, the more you mature. Sometimes I think it's good to have 
you know, an animal, a cat, whatever it is, that is entirely roots, if you know oh what I mean. Oh my God, isn't it I mean, brilliant? That, they know exactly what they are. <laughs> no bullshit. They have no bullshit. There's no ideas above their stations. No. You know, they know what they're for. <laughs> yeah. They know where they are. And, and it sometimes just reminds you, yeah. yes, I'm here to eat and shit too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. My, oh. cat, my cat, my cat, Noah, who appears in the video with Ronan, every morning he's the first to get up to the cat flap and we... We open it up and we let him out and he goes out, he takes a shit. And then if there's, he looks up and if there's a bit of sunlight, he'll go and do mindfulness in the corner of the garden. <laughs> and it's literally mindfulness because he's, he, he looks for the sun, he, he points his head towards it, he closes his eyes and he's doing something. And we know it's just like he's grounding. He's, you know, this is a you cat. Know, that, like, that, I think that's a cat thing. Our, the our most cat, important thing. He sits up on the desk, you know, the, yeah. and he just sits in that cat pose, you know, sitting up. And yeah. sits there for twenty minutes after yeah. breakfast, uh, just dead still. <laughs> just loves it. Just, just appreciate, just being <laughs> yeah. like Eddie and Elsie in the credit house, and my neighbors. Just be. <laughs> Can I ask you one last uh, question? That's just um, it's always hard to answer. But um, are you happy? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely happy. I do have my worries. And, yeah, well, um, you know, and I, th I think the creative process actually that I my life day to day is I'm very happy, and if I have a creative process, I make myself unhappy and insecure and unsure because it's the only way the challenge the challenge then of those constraints is the only way I can actually begin a project. And we were talking like beginning is the hardest thing to do, but I'm like, all right. I essentially, essentially, my default mode is absolutely blissed out. I could live on a beach in Thailand now and not do anything with my life and be happy to die there. Could you? Yeah. Without yeah. any projects? Without any projects. So I, I guess <laughs> without, no, I could well, just Well, so go what's and, next? Um, I think I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have a clue. What I would really love to do is, um, is play more music, but uh, also film. And so I've just to somehow create the projects that I'm filming through uh, some kind of collaboration with performing myself, I guess. Before Werner Herzog, I, I, there was Ry Cooter, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and Ry Cooter would like, he's documented a lot of his collaborations all over the world. And I, I really now, I'm kind of looking at him, you know, and Dan Lenoir as well, who make these amazing films about making music, but they also have beautiful universal messages in them. And they carry a lot of culture and they carry a lot of importance and motivation and everything. Well, one thing I'm certain of, whatever it is, you're doing next it'll be interesting Miles um, <laughs> and you. if anyone wants to find more Miles you have a great website Arbutus Yarns is the name of my website and spell it's that like, it's a little Netflix of music yeah there's a lot of spell Arbutus uh, A-R-B-U-T-U-S the Arbutus tree Arbutus Yarns but my name if you just google yes, me google anyway there's plenty there um, well thanks a million Miles um, I said earlier at the beginning that I couldn't believe I hadn't met you before yeah. And I'm really glad I have. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure. So. It's really, it's really been a pleasure to sit with you. Thank you. And Thank I'm you honored. very much. <laughs> Lisa Hannigan playing a set. Thanks, Miles. That really was really, really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just don't talk like anyone. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. Mm -hmm.